Welcome to TFA with Adam and Eden. Today we're going to be talking about a couple of different topics. Um, one will be about our uh, universities in Australia and what we think about them and, and what's happening. Um, and we're also going to be talking about um, Prince Andrews and, and the, the case that's going on around him. So let's start with um, some interesting news stories that have unfolded in the past week, starting with Clive Palmer and Mark McGowan. And it's not surprising that he's, he's brought um, another case against um, Western Australia. Um, this time it's a defamation case. Um, so let's go through sort of um, one article um, about the current situation and how you know Mark McGowan now has to come to Sydney um, to to give his evidence. Um, so so we forced to travel to Sydney to continue his legal battle against billionaire Clive Palmer. What is, what is this legal battle? What how did it start? So how it started is that in in 2020. Um, Mark McGowan did a press conference in which he basically said that Clive Palmer is the enemy of Western Australia. And so on that basis, it's on that basis that Clive Palmer has um, decided to bring this defamation proceeding um, against Western Australia. And this is one of many now. Um, But they're, they're actually both suing each other. Um, for defamation in the federal court, um, and it's it's set to get underway. I think next week in New South Wales. So that, as I said, the, the trial judge um, ordered that uh, Mark McGowan come to Sydney for a couple of days to give his evidence, um, and then obviously he has to go back to Western Australia and quarantine. Um, so Justice Michael Lee heard an an urgent interlocutory application on Tuesday with Mr McGowan and WA Attorney General John Quigley seeking permission to give their evidence at the trial remotely. Um, and obviously he ruled that it will be rescheduled on to begin on February 14th, and that's when they'll give um, their, their evidence to the court. Um, and so the Queensland... And so Clive Palmer, his, his claims are basically that he was brought into hatred, ridicule and contempt when Mr. McGowan referred to him as the enemy of the state. Um, but the Premier, he claims his reputation was damaged when Mr. Palmer suggested he had li- uh, abused Parliament and lied to the public. Now, I also want to sort of um, talk about uh, prior cases um, between um, uh, Mr. Palmer, Clive Palmer, and Mark McGowan. So, for example, last year, um, Mr. Palmer took the government to to the High Court, um, and and he lost that. But I want to go through um, a news article that sort of explains uh, sort of what occurred in that case, um, and and what the ruling was in the end. So, at the centre of the case was a piece of legislation that amended the state agreement between the WA government and Mr. Palmer and some of his companies. And so since the 1960s, state agreements are basically uh, contracts between a company uh, looking to make a big investment uh, in a major project um, and the WA government, and they usually have bipartisan support. And so Mr. Palmer's state agreement, known as the Iron Ore Processing Mineralogy Agreement, 
was um, formed back in 2002. Um, but 10 years later, he got into a dispute with the Barnett government. Bar- uh, Colin Barnett was the former Premier of Western mm-hmm. Australia. Um, and, and Clive claimed that his proposals to develop the Balmoral Safe Iron Ore Project in the Pilbara were ignored and that he was owed damages. Um, the McGowan government introduced changes to the state agreement via emergency legislation last year to head off Mr Palmer's claim for damages and that sparked a legal challenge for Mr Palmer that eventuated last year. Um, so the question is, is it normal for a government to, to simply change a contract? Um, well, the amendment to the state agreement was a, a provocative detour from the traditional way state agreements are managed because it was designed specifically to deal with the government's Clive Palmer compensation problem. So in substance, all it did was alter legal rights, albeit in a get Mr Palmer manner, constitutional lawyer, according to constitutional lawyer Luke, uh, Luke Beck. Um, so WA Attorney General John Quigley acknowledged his government's move to change the state agreement was a highly unusual one. But he said it was justified because Mr. Palmer and his companies were making claims against the state of nearly thirty billion dollars. So that's that's obviously why um, it's 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 taxpayers' money, and um, it's it's not in the public interest. Um, that's probably why they decided to amend the state agreement. Um, and also, look, I think. It's it's not a it's not a good look for for the Western Australian government, um, because they know that Clive Palmer doesn't really have a good reputation in WA. Um, but then again, uh, it is good for the economy. You could you could argue it's good for the economy because you know the industry I think has uh, um, uh, accounted for ten point four percent of the annual GDP in uh, between two thousand nineteen two thousand twenty. Um, but in that case, um, the High Court basically said that uh, no, they rejected all the arguments. Um, the High Court found that the legislation uh, was valid and it only altered substantive legal rights, mm-hmm. um, which is not uncommon for the government to do, to change legal rights. So in this case, uh, Mr Palmer... Uh, it altered Mr. Palmer's rights that he could no longer claim compensation, um, and so that's there's obviously there's been a lot of history uh, with Mr. Palmer taking um, the WA government to the High Court. Um, I think he, I think he took the 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 state to court for um, the border closures, saying that was unconstitutional. Mm-hmm. So who knows? Look, he's got the funds, he's got the legal team, so nothing's it's, stopping him. And it's ironic now because um, because now the the WA Premier has to come into Sydney, which means he'll have to follow his own rules when he returns That's two right. weeks yeah. quarantine. So I'm, I'm sure he's uh, very happy about that. Yeah, and they extended the, um, the uh, opening of the borders in WA yeah. as well. So let's move on to another um, news event um, that has sort of been going on for a while now, since December in the UK, and that's um, the Prime Minister um, 
Boris Johnson and, and so-called Party Gate. Um, so basically what happened was that during the height of the lockdown in the UK, um, Boris Johnson and um, uh, uh, sort of organised a, a, a party, a lockdown party with his ministers. Um, it was a sort of a bring your own booze party. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously that was... Um, that was revealed, and that's the, the UK um, citizens have probably lost a lot of a lot of uh, faith in, in 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 the government now, and there's there's calls for Boris Johnson to resign, um, and he's he said, oh, it was just a work event. I thought it was a work event. Mm-hmm. So how uh, that's just that just that's pathetic mm-hmm. in my opinion. But um, he got caught out. Definitely got he got caught out, um, and now you know he's he's assured the public that there's going to be an, an investigation, um, and I, I don't think you know I don't think anything's going to come out of the investigation. It's just it's just you know to show the public that we're doing something we're doing about something it. about it, yeah, mm-hmm. um, and that you know we uh, you know we're we going to give the public the clarity it needs over the, over these allegations, mm-hmm. um, but you know they'll they'll be protected. In the end, but another really shocking news story that has unfolded is the criminal investigation that has um, uh, come to light in England. And so, I want to read this this um, this article. Mm-hmm. Um, so, a British doctor who was banned for, for questioning the safety of vaccines and the reliability of COVID tests has won in a landmark decision a significant High Court case. After questioning the efficacy of face masks in a video posted on Instagram and Twitter in June, Dr Samuel White was slapped with an 18-month ban by the UK General Medicine Council. In the video, White explained the reason why he could no longer tolerate working in his previous roles because of the lies around the NHS, that's the National Health Service in the UK, and the response of the government to the pandemic, which was so vast he could no longer stomach them. He also commented that masks do nothing to stop the spread of COVID um, and it was considered the ultimate sin as this was the consensus uh, medical opinion at the start of the pandemic before it mysteriously switched almost overnight. In addition to questioning the efficacy of masks, the doctor also raised concerns about the safety of vaccines and the reliability of COVID tests. White had called for a criminal investigation by London police in December after presenting significant and irrefutable evidence of safety problems with COVID vaccines after being suspended from his job and pay. Now it appears that the criminal investigation has been launched. On Monday, December 20th uh, of last year, 2021, criminal charges were officially filed with the Metropolitan Police at Hammersmith Police Station in London. Uh, former police officer Mark Sexton has, sub- has submitted a 1,100-page um, document of evidence to Hammersmith Criminal Investigation Department where two detectives accepted and signed the paperwork. And they released this urgent public notice um, dated uh, uh, the 11th of Jan 2022. And it says, COVID-19 vaccines and various civil servants are now under criminal investigation by Hammersmith Police and the Metropolitan Police. Now, you're probably wondering, well, I haven't heard this in in the news, in the mainstream media. And, well, the reason why 
and it's they even sort of uh, reveal this in in actual public notice is that you're not being told about this monumental case because the UK government controls the mainstream media and and senior government ministers, civil servants and the mainstream media are implicated in the alleged crimes. So that's why it's not in the mainstream media. And some of these crimes look really really serious crimes that have been alleged. I'll just state a, I'll just mention a couple of them. Misfeasance in public office, misconduct in police office, uh, in public office, sorry. Conspiracy to commit grievous bodily harm. Conspiracy to administer a poisonous and harmful substance to cause severe injury and death. Gross negligence manslaughter, corporate manslaughter, corruption, fraud, black pa- blackmail, murder, and a whole uh, host of other, other serious, really serious criminal offences. Um, and now the case has been forwarded to all police stations. Um, and, and they were forced to collect data. Um, and, and also the victims of the COVID injections were asked to give their statements in um, in different ways. So will... And criminal charges have also filed... have also been filed against the UK government ministers, civil servants and media editors. Um, so we'll see what happens. This is a, a serious criminal investigation. Um, and um, it's it's... It's really surprising how um, they actually sort of um, agreed to take this on and to investigate it um, because you'd think that um, there's so much momentum and, and so much support for the government um, and, and what they're doing that you know this, this couldn't be possible. I don't know. What do you think? Mm, yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's um it highlights the bit of the hypocrisy going on as well um, globally. Yeah. Um, and it, it's just good to I feel like um, to make sure that you you know you follow different independent journalists, for example, to get the truth or to at least get bits and pieces of the truth, because if you follow you know, just one piece of media, yeah. especially mainstream, you know, we all know that they have their own agendas. Things may be tweaked or in, in, in many cases, things just may not be spoken about. Yeah, it's that's just, right. It's just not... It's they're no they're in bed issue. with the government. And that's right. And and I'll give you just... This is just a bit off topic, but an example is, for uh, for example, in Canada at the moment, all the truckies are um, uniting and pretty much blocking the roads. They're not transport transporting, you know, essential goods and services. Um, and this is in winter, so it, it's a major effect to to cities and, and to different parts of the country. But not many people know about this. That's it's just right, not reported yeah. because they don't want, um, you know, globally people to say, you know what. I want to do this as well. So you know, let's 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 team up. I think as yeah, an I industry. Think the, the, uh, the Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau mm. said, "Oh, just a few, just a couple of fringe." That's right. You know, extremists. Anyway, we'll see where that this criminal uh, criminal investigation um, sort of leads, and see if it see see um, if there's anything um, that that comes out of it. Um, but I want uh, another news story that there's been of particular interest sort of globally is um, Prince Andrew. Mm-hmm. And what's happening now is that 
Prince Andrew is has demanded um, for a jury trial. And I want to go through an article um, that reveals sort of why it's the last thing the Duke actually wants in this case. So the article says, The Duke's response to Miss Dufresne's sexual assault allegations reveals much about his strategy to get the case dismissed. One line from Prince Andrew's response to Virginia Dufresne's allegations of sexual assault stood out for the headline writers and TV news correspondents. Immediately after the Duke's lawyers filed the document uh, to the Southern District of New York Court, both social and traditional media went with the news alerts like Duke demands jury trial, uh, as those writing the headlines on Wednesday evening believe that was what counted here. Could I just pause you for a second? Um, f- for those who don't know who we're talking about, just a bit of context. In 2009, um, there was a settlement between Prince Andrews and uh, Virginia. Yeah. Uh, Frey. Um, and what was the amount? Do you, do you remember what that I amount was? I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, I'll have a quick look to, to, to see what this is. But essentially, it has been it was settled and had been covered up for over 10 years now. So that's just a bit of context. And now it's obviously yeah. resurfacing. Um, so, yeah, sorry, continue. So in her original complaint, Miss Dufresne used these words at the end of her first court submission in this civil case. Plaintiff hereby demands a trial by jury on all causes of action asserted within this pleading. Now, this is, as the plaintiff, uh, Virginia Dufresne, is entitled to, to ask for, for um, a, a trial by jury. Uh, that's, that's her, she gets the, 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 the first right, if you like. Um, so she requested a trial by jury in last August. Um, and people are asking, well, why, why did the Duke demand for a trial by jury, um, in, in his submission? And some, some legal experts argue, well, this is sort of, uh, it's just a mere formality mm-hmm. because for him not to do so would have been pointless, um, because it was, as I said before, it was her right to demand to have this case heard That's right. before a six person jury, not him. Mm-hmm. Um, and, as a defendant, and, and sorry, it was five hundred thousand dollars back in two thousand and nine. Yep, that's right. Um, and it says, had Prince Andrew failed to assert his right to a jury trial, he would not have maintained his right to seek one in the highly unlikely event that Mister Frey withdrew her request for one. So it was almost like, just in case, just in case, on the in the unlikely event that she didn't request for a, a jury trial, a jury trial. Um, since the Duke's response appeared in the court's records, the assumption for many quarters is that Prince Andrew uh, demands trial by jury or that his demand for a jury trial was some kind of bring-it-on message to Mr. Frey. Um, what the filing made more than clear is that Prince Andrew continues to maintain that the case will be dismissed for no fewer than 11 reasons, and this remains his primary goal. Um, to assume this case will even make it to trial just because both sides claim they want one, would be foolhardy. After all, the vast majority of civil cases in the US are never heard before judge and jury, and the Seventh Amendment preserves jury trials for civil claims over $20, which th- this one you know, obviously is, more than $20. Um, Ms. Dufresne, a lawyer, 
arrived for a hearing in the criminal case against uh, Jeffrey Epstein in New York in August 20, or arrived in August 2019. Um, what the prince denied is also no great surprise. He has consistently and vehemently refuted the allegations, and he did so again um, at docket number 70, in this case on Wednesday evening. There are, however, two important issues that did arise from his filing. First, what the prince admits or fails to deny, and second, the strongest indications yet of how he intends to trash Mr. Frey's right to even bring a case. Mm-hmm. And, and just, again, just to fill in a bit of context, so um, Prince Andrews, he's he's been known to to be with um, to, to, to be associated with Jeffrey Epstein, yep. who is now um, well, all we know is he's been killed in prison. That's what we've been told. Um, we, know the, we we haven't got the full facts, um, but anyhow, he's been seen being sided with him. Um, even uh, he even um, a- admitted that he was he was at Jeffrey's house, um, you know, days after he was convicted. Uh, so you know, he obviously had a, a strong relationship. And I just wanted to to just just take a pause and touch on that interview. If you remember, he had um, Prince. Uh, uh, Prince Andrews, where he he uh, he really didn't do well in in um you know improving his innocence or or showing the people that you know this was all false. Um, you could clearly see that he was hiding something, and that this relationship with Jeffrey um, Epstein was much deeper than what we know. Um, and and the fact that he was associated with him, Jeffrey's now been he was been convicted. Um, and there's been images of. Of of the Virginia, prince yeah, with with, with Virginia, Virginia from several years ago. It just you know the evidence just doesn't. It, it, it just it's 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 just, it, it doesn't him, stack. Yeah. It stacks against him. So um, that's just a little bit of context there. Yeah, and also just to clarify that this is a a civil trial, mm. not a criminal one. That's right. And so obviously the end result will be um, compensatory damages, mm-hmm. and the parties will have to agree to. Um, agree to a figure, um, but obviously Virginia Jeffrey said that she doesn't care about, she doesn't want money. She just wants to hold powerful men like Prince Andrew to account. Mm-hmm. Um, and also with with a, a civil trial, the the burden of proof, um, or the standard of proof, sorry, is is on the preponderance of evidence. So it's not quite beyond reasonable doubt. In a civil trial, it's the lowest standard, um, and that basically means that um, the the plaintiff, in this case Virginia Jeffrey, um, will have to convince the fact finder, uh, the jury, um, that uh, there is a greater than fifty percent chance that the claim is true. Um, so that's so that's a, sort of the, the standard of proof um, uh, in in a civil trial, and. Andrew's, well, Prince Andrew basically wants her to um, sort of um, convince the jury um, and basically do all the hard work in saying, well, this is, uh, th- these are the arguments, and he basically just sits there and um, and sort of lets the jury decide, and that's why that's why he he, he probably didn't want a, a, a judge-only trial because what if what if the judge, um, the one judge is unfavorable to him. That's right. That's right. Yeah. 
so we'll see. We'll, we'll keep an eye on, on on that case, on that civil trial. See see where it ends. Um, I guess it's just a, a watch this space um, scenario, and also I don't know if you if you noticed, but the the royal family were very quick to strip all his titles um, from him. They they don't want to get involved mm-hmm. in this. They they've basically said that. Well, he is defending this case as a private citizen, mm-hmm. and we're not supporting him at all. That's this right. Is, yeah, but but it's you know I think the 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 thing here is is that they're trying to disassociate themselves from him, saying you know this is he's an individual, he's representing. This has got nothing to do with us. But the reality is is that they know what get, what what goes on. You know, we can't be naive here. They they underst- they understand. Um, uh, you know. This this goes re- this goes really deep um, again, uh, uh, and don't be surprised if if he's not the only one. You know that that we find out there's more information surfaces as uh, you know as as time time goes on. But um, I hope that people you know don't think that just don't think that it's him solely. And you know, oh, the royal family has nothing to do with it. It was just a one-off. Um, you know, I, I do I do think that. There is more to this story, and and as time goes on, we'll we'll cover that. Yeah, and it also sheds light on, on the relevance, of the royal family now. I think, mm-hmm. um, and sort of w- what their role is. So I wouldn't be surprised if if there's, a debate, on on sort of the the role and relevance of of the royal family, after, e- even after this 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 um, uh, after the settlement. That's right. Yeah, so let's let's move on to um, another uh, news story of this week, and that's um, that in one of the press conferences, Brad Hazard, the health minister, mm-hmm. New South Wales health minister, um, said that the booster rates are not where they should be. And I want to I want to go through just a, um, a an article. So the New South Wales booster numbers not where they need to be with 100,000 jabs a week left unused. And New South Wales vaccination hubs can administer at least 100,000 more booster jabs a week than they are currently achieving with health officials warning that valuable staff are being left idle with, with the program running at half capacity. Health Minister Brad Hazard expressed concern about booster uptake on Thursday after the Herald published data showing fewer than a third of eligible adults had received their booster shot in parts of southwest Sydney, with the city's western suburbs falling well behind parts of the north and east. Mm. Yep, yeah. I think look, what's happening here. Well, there's a few things. Yeah. Let's just let's just break break this down a bit. So here in Australia, we were promised, you know, get the two jabs, um, and you know, will return your life will return yeah. back to how it was. Um, you know, it'll be normal. Um, that didn't happen, so we got to understand the, the types of people who got it. So there was there was a, a, a section of people who who got the initial uh, two doses because really they had to. Um, I know it technically isn't the law, but they were coerced to through you know if you don't do it, you you're going to lose your job. Your job yeah. Um, you know, start off in the construction in you know in the in the health industry, frontline workers, construction industry. So that's the first batch of people. The other segment were. Um, people who maybe didn't have to get it, but they thought, you know what, let's do it, and 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 and, and, and you know, 
to to as a collective community, if we all do it, we'll be able to get our lives yeah, back because because we're promised because they heard safe and effective, safe and effective. safe and effective. That's <laughs> right. In each of the press conferences, in each yeah. exactly, and then what what we've we've seen happen, um, especially over the last couple months, is is I think everybody's get you know everyone is getting COVID, whether you're vaccinated or not. Peop- and and I think people are realizing, okay, I've got COVID, um, it's done now. I've got my immunity. Yeah. Let's move on with my life. Um, but I think what's happening is a lot of people are saying, well, why do I need the boost for? I've I've already got COVID. You lied to us before about our lives going back to normal, and um, you know what's what's the the, the reasoning? Um, that that's 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 the kind of a bit of a, a breakdown of the segment of the Australian people um, at, at the moment. And we know now that the vaccine doesn't prevent transmission. That's right. Well, the first two doses. W- yes, that's cr- that's correct. It, it may r- reduce transmission, but it, it doesn't. Completely, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, solve that problem. Yeah. Um, and um, I think what what is happening now is um, maybe the focus is being shifted away from the third booster or the, or the third shot and focusing on the kids. So okay. I'm done. I don't need to do anything. Let's focus on our kids, the five to eleven-year-olds, um, to, to, to that way that they're getting vaccinated. So that's another uh, um, uh, another potential reason as well. Yeah. Oh, that's it, guys, um, for this episode. Uh, next episode, we'll be talking about um, the, the the crisis of the education system. We'll be talking about universities, where all that's heading. So stay tuned for for that. Thanks, everyone.